Joe presents Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, together with Guinness. Hello and you're very welcome to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby here on Joe, together with Guinness. Trimby, I want to start on a very positive note. We hit a serious uh, milestone this week. We have now over one million views and listens to the show since our start in October. Doesn't surprise me. Um, if anything, I'm surprised that it's taken this long. Really? Yeah. I like it. I like your yeah. attitude. Um, That's a good kind of confident attitude. Yeah, it? I yeah. think so. Yeah. Um, if I was in neutral, I would listen to the podcast. Um, I would listen to it twice a week. To bring that, to double those numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, still on that point, I'd like to thank everyone for, <laughs> <laughs> for listening and viewing. <laughs> Despite what Trimby says, because uh, we're so grateful, because it's uh, it just make, yeah. means a lot to us. No, Thank yeah, you. I suppose we're grateful. <laughs> <laughs> but do keep watching and keep listening, and keep commenting, and uh, <clears throat> leaving your ratings and all that crack, because it means a lot to us. And to mark the occasion, Trimby has bought us both uh, two brand new shirts. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually bought two leopard print shirts, but. My one didn't come, so I got a pineapple shirt instead. <laughs> <laughs> this I, what happened. No, no, what actually happened was I um, bought myself a leopard print shirt, just like, not connected to the podcast. I just wanted to wear a leopard print shirt. Right. And, I, and then I realized that this, it can be done outside of the podcast. There needs to be a reason to wear this shirt. Um, this shirt is... I'm sorry, like yours is grand, right? <laughs> I love this. Yeah, you'll wear I it. wanted an excuse to wear this. But will you wear it outside of the show? No, no. You'll take that off before you leave here today? I'd say so, yeah. Oh, come on, wear it on the train home. <laughs> Please. Listen, if we don't hurry on, I'll not get the train home. Let's <laughs> <laughs> get the rugby. You won't have time to take a shirt Let's off. get the rugby out of the way, yeah? No, no, you know, not you know, this any, week. Anytime I wear uh, anything or uh, write anything on Twitter, I still have in my head... What will Rory say if he if he sees me in this shirt or if he reads what I said? <laughs> Anything, any activity in my he, life is dictated by really? what, 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 what would Rory, Rory what say? The Overlord, yeah, he has that over you, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Wow, I don't know if I, if anyone, maybe Paul O'Connell might have a similar yeah hold on me. Like he <laughs> yeah. does, he yeah. does. Jesus, yeah. that's weird. Um, we will be hearing from Rory later on. Pat met him for a brilliant chat, so stick around for that. Didn't you say O'Connell um, gave you a hard time about your nose piercing? He did. He was the first person. That, yes, yeah. So when I got it done, I was coming home from Australia going, who will I be? And he just popped into my head. If I meet Paulie now, he'll, yeah. he'll judge me over it. And he was one of the very first people I met <laughs> yeah, that day yeah. when I came back. Yeah. And he just goes, what's the story with the nose? <laughs> For fuck's sake, or something like that. <laughs> he, wouldn't be, uh, I, he wouldn't be enormously open-minded, I wouldn't have thought, for stuff like that. I remember Gordon Darcy walking into a national team, <clears throat> team meeting wearing a cardigan. <laughs> And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, O'Connor did that. Then we just look at your man. Who does he think he is? Yeah. Well, I wonder. Do you know he's coming home now. Polly is. Yeah, he's moving home from from Paris. Oh right, on his own terms. I presume he's coming home anyway. Yeah. So uh, he said that he he's going to part from Stad after at the end of this season. Right. 
not looking for another club, I think he said, and he's going to move home, which is brilliant because everyone in Limerick will assume that he's going to get involved <clears throat> in some way in either Limerick or Munster. And, yeah. But I wonder, has he uh, become more Parisian? Yeah, I was just thinking that. Yeah. Like, Looking back with dreadlocks. <laughs> <laughs> Friendship bracelets, remember when... <laughs> Remember in Braveheart when uh, William Wallace comes back to Scotland and uh, but he can speak French and uh, <laughs> Italian and everyone's like, whoa, he's, yeah. not, he's not just a, a warrior, yeah. but he's like quite poetic. That's what Connell came back like, pure poetic, and then they just get they get himself and like, remember when <laughs> William Wallace and uh, and Hamish go throwing rocks at each other? Yeah, yeah, you'll move. I'll not move. He's going to get himself in John Hayes and <laughs> throwing stones at each other. You'll move, bro. You'll move. I won't move. I won't move. Oh, God. <laughs> Fucking stones at each other. <laughs> oh, if Gary, if Gary is listening, our genius uh, yeah. uh, video uh, cartoon guy who did the, the, the cocktail. Jacob cocktail. If Gary, can you stick Paul O'Connell's head on William Wallace's head and John Hayes's <laughs> and get them throwing stones at each other? Also, can you get um, like someone with like long blonde dreadlocks with like board shorts and anklet and a shark's tooth necklace and superimpose O'Connell's face on it? <laughs> Come back from his gap year. <laughs> you know, people hate it when we do this. Laugh, yeah. When we like giggle all the I way know, through, yeah, we get I think a lot there's of people going. Some of that. Well, this week's got to be different because I feel like <clears throat> the the rugby every week, uh, the rugby world is is uh, we're brought in on this show to judge it and to kind of see what's going on. Like as if the rugby world is like a cauldron yeah. of uh, food that has been like a stew or something. Uh-huh. And every week we come, we stick our finger in and we taste it and we <laughs> yeah. like hmm. Needs more tries. Needs more rugby or needs less <laughs> yeah, rugby yeah. or whatever. And last week was so rugby intensive. We were like, rugby, rugby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Drowning in it. Uh, because the, 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 after the Six Nations, the Irish rugby community were a little bit, they were a bit sick after it, yeah. after what happened. The cauldron didn't taste great. It undercooked, was, undercooked us, rugby. It bit, yeah, it was a bit sour. Maybe it gave us the shits a little bit. <laughs> we, were, we were a bit... And upset tummies over it. So we came in and we tasted it and we were like, oh, yeah. needs better, better rugby. Mm. And then last week we had, it was perfect. There was so much goodness. Yeah. And then we spoon fed everyone. It was like, Connacht gave us a little, not a great starter, but a little salad at the start last week. <laughs> they didn't play particularly well, but they had a week inside out, so it was okay. Uh-huh. And then Munster was the main course and we just wanted to get through that. So it was like meat and two veg, like steak. Bit of edge, just get something in there, solid, <laughs> just get our bellies settled. And then the dessert was <clears throat> Ulster, Leinster, that cracker of a game, yeah. just like <clears throat> triple chocolate with chocolate sauce and ice cream and num num. num. Yeah, yeah. I, I was tasting the I was tasting the Ulster recipe, and I was like, that is almost perfect. Just needs a little bit more correctly grounded ball. <laughs> <laughs> Cocktail was a bit, <laughs> yeah. bit too strong, was yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. Not enough alcohol in this cocktail, actually. Um, <clears throat> so this week, I find we've tested the cauldron, and we, I was like, "Rugby's <clears throat> grand. It's fine. 
Rugby's doing its thing now. Yeah. We're back on form. Yeah. So we can talk about whatever the, whatever we want now. Rugby's so, fixed. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the weekend was fine. We'll we'll get to that. But is there any tangents you'd like to take in particular, like any analogies? <coughs> Did you see? Um, well, I I actually cons- I meant to bring back Balderdash mm-hmm. uh, on the train on the way down. I started by looking at Balderdash and I came across um, Sebastian Chabal. Um, I saw this singing "I Will Walk 500 Miles" um, at the Hong Kong Sevens. I thought if if that had been one of my <laughs> Balderdash <laughs> options, you'd have gone not a chance. <laughs> yeah, is that what I believe Chabal's that? doing? That? Yeah. No way. So explain that again to everyone. What so, happened? So he. Um, Right, so put this in context. Shabal, do you remember famously, um, I think it might have been at the World Cup in France in 2007, Shabal was asked by a journalist, um, do you mind if I ask you a question in English? And Shabal replied, <coughs> no, we are in France, we speak French. Yes. Yeah. So he, to me, seems like a man of principle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Fast forward 12 years and he's singing a Scottish song. <laughs> <laughs> to a bunch of drunk <laughs> rugby supporters yeah. in Hong Kong, uh, dressed sorry, dressed as a caveman. Yeah. <laughs> importantly, on the pitch. Actually, you know what? There was a little Kinda, bit. Of, yeah, he had a little bit of leopard, <laughs> yeah. leopard print with yeah. the fur, like and singing "I will." Walk. What's the relevance of singing "I will walk"? I think that's a sevens anthem, like a Hong Kong sevens. Oh, they all sing okay. that over there. I saw it and I was like, what? Even what? The, the commentator's like, what is going I know, going yeah. No one knew how to, how, to, how to follow up on that. Mm. So I looked it up. He's, that was, uh, he's sponsored by that, whatever, I think it might have been, a, is it like MasterCard or some uh, company? I can't remember. Yes, you're right. Something like that, yeah. yeah. He's an ambassador for whoever it is. ambassador, yeah. So this is their, <clears throat> their plan for him. It's like, what would yeah. you do? Is, and he was okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the ultimate yeah. sellout. Is that, is, that ro- is that rock bottom? It is. Really. <laughs> Says us here in the pineapple and never print <laughs> shirts. <laughs> We're not a million miles off it. Way beyond rock bottom. <clears throat> you know, he did something similar a while back, though, 2014. He uh, was an ambassador for a currency fair and did an advert dressed up as the currency fairy. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so this is his thing. It must be. Ah, that's a bit different than yeah. just being a gas, a gas fecker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, is there anything else that's... I always felt mushy, Tony Buckley. Uh-huh. Uh, we call him mushy, obviously. I don't know why he's called mushy, but... Yeah, I don't know why that came He's from. always called mushy. That he should have been the ambassador for mushy peas uh-huh. uh, by... Were they the Green Giant? He kind of looked like the Green Giant. Green Giant. Green um, Giant. He kind of looked like him. And I just thought he might. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, it's, I was, it if I was like his agent, I'd have been like, man, I need to get you all over these MCPs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you know Hugo Southwell? The yeah. Scottish fullback. Thir- 13 fullback, yeah. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> um, apparently he uh, got in touch with Hugo Boss and wanted to become an ambassador. Because <laughs> 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 his name's Hugo. <laughs> That's definitely not true, but someone's spread it. <laughs> I think it is true. Yeah. Yeah. Simon Daniello told me. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. sorry to drop you in it, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go with it. Yeah. Um, and any other ones? There's oh, oh yeah. I don't know. I can't remember many. <laughs> well, there's the most recent one with Rory and Specsavers. Oh yeah, we'll get to that later. Pat interviewed him. Yeah. I thought he uh, they seg. I was like, how are they going to segue into <laughs> Specsavers? At the end of this, because he's wearing a Specsavers shirt. But they actually did quite well. Yeah. We'll hear that and then we'll judge him. But they actually did well. I look forward to judging him. 
Um, and then uh, put my phone off the hook and put it on airplane mode. <laughs> <laughs> Never leave the house again. I know, I know. <laughs> and there's Rory outside. <laughs> uh, I watched Hook the other day, the film. Oh, yes. Yeah. What a show. What a film. Yeah. It's uh, obviously Robin Williams. <clears throat> classic. Yeah. Someone everyone loves. Dustin Hoffman is also amazing. Yeah. He's the pirate. He's Hook. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was watching it going good this is my my work done for the podcast this weekend uh -huh. so he kind of loses his way the story is Peter Pan he's class uh -huh. but he's forgotten how to be Peter Pan uh, so he's started kind of being a little bit crap and uh, he's trying to find out how to be Peter Pan again and Hook is like the bad guy and he's having to pop off him and so on and mm -hmm. Um, <coughs> he goes to Never Neverland, which let's say Never Neverland is rugby, the world of rugby. Okay, yeah. And he's he, everyone's laughing at him because he hasn't been doing very well as Peter Pan. He's he's grown up. He's grown up. He's got a he's, mortgage. He's a bit serious. Yeah. And his game plan is probably a little bit easy to read or something. So he, um, the Lost Boys are then like the fans, the Irish rugby fans, uh -huh. and they're, some of them are like, nah, that's not Peter Pan. He's not, he's too old, uh -huh. he's gone past it. And then others are like, no, we still think it's Peter Pan, especially that little chubby lad who could throw into a little rolling ball. Rolling ball. That, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He still believes in Peter Pan. And then he, uh, Tinkerbell, kind of teaches them how to become Peter Pan again. It's like, to go back to your provinces and find joy and happiness again. Uh -huh. <laughs> and start playing with happiness and love yeah, good again. Yeah. And then you'll come back and win the World Cup in six months and you'll be Peter Pan. Yeah, just Yay. get away from anybody who's provincially different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's just, what we need to do is become more insular. Yeah. Only hang out with Ulster players yeah. and you'll be grand. Yeah. <laughs> Only pass to Ulster players when yeah. you're with Ireland and yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that should be the new game plan. Um, <clears throat> I, I always thought, actually it was Johnny Saxon pointed this out, you know Rufio? Yes. Rufio looks like um, uh, Tiernan O'Halloran. Oh yeah. Yeah. He does. <clears throat> he dies in it. I forgot. Rufio dies in it, doesn't yeah, he? he gets killed. Jeez, I don't remember that. <clears throat> yeah, Hook kills him. It's quite a serious part. Um, oh yeah, sorry, I do know this now. I remember this now, yeah. Mm. And then um, Robin Williams is raging. Mm. He's really up for that last fight. Yeah. Yeah. One other thing, <clears throat> um, do you know um, the way uh, Peter Pan's son goes over to Hook and spends mm. time with him and then um, uh, Peter Pan arrives and says, come home, son, and he, and he goes, I am home, yeah. and he steps behind Hook. He's a bit of a prick. That's Joey Carberry. <laughs> Leo comes in and he says, Joey, come Joey. home, and, and Joey goes, I am home, and steps behind Johan van Graan. <laughs> We're not evil, we're not Hook. Once around Hook. No, yeah, yeah. Who doesn't help me? <laughs> the little kids. You're, you're an Oscar winner. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll take it. Double Oscar winner, Double. I'd say. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's great, man. It just <clears throat> happens, the champion of that, that film. Yeah. Anyway, that's it. That's yeah. all they need to do is find their joy. Yeah. And fly, they can fly then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Be grand. What time is it? Um, so look, a quick one. Uh, I thought while we were talking about random stuff, there's a few random things that me and Pat, uh, or Pat actually suggested that we should, uh, we should try and ask <coughs> each other. So this neck of the woods, this time of year, 
uh, tickets for games and stuff like that become quite annoying, don't they? Yes. How did you handle that? Uh, um, tickets for uh, Ulster games especially are a nightmare. Really? Because you only get access to... Yeah, and it's a small stadium. Yeah, small, yeah, and you only get... You only get two tickets, really. Mm. And then Do you, you only get two tickets? You always try and buddy up with a, <clears throat> a foreigner who maybe if their missus aren't coming to the game, then you can get their tickets. Mm. So as soon as foreign guys come in, everybody's like, hey, mate, how's things? How's things for the weekend? Did you only get two tickets, really? Uh, the option to buy a few more, surely. You're probably better off only having two tickets, aren't you? Just being like, sorry. Don't, don't I, think have any. We, sorry, I think you're. I think you're right. We might have got three at one stage, but anyway, it would have been very. So with Ireland, you'd have got two compliment. Sorry, maybe four complimentary, and then you could have bought six. Mm. Six. Yeah. Well. So with that's Ireland, good. obviously, you're in good shape. Yeah. Yeah, I always find even for gigs now for us, it's pretty annoying. Like Aye. our guest list is insane. Oh, gross. Because really? you can cram people into. Yeah. They don't need seats essentially. So yeah, we gigs and. In King John's Castle in Limerick last year, we had 200 people on the guest list. Like, oh, really? Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Most of them, my Not family. Not very profitable. Most of them, my family, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So buy your tickets. Um, uh, I uh, always find that, maybe in the, in the run up to Six Nations, if, if I was playing well and looked like I was going get, to get in the mix, one or two people would start to get in touch. <laughs> around. And I would just, I would just en- enjoy the awkwardness of them trying to find their way around, asking yeah. me for tickets. Yeah. To make it make it awkward. Yeah. Okay. No, don't give them a junk don't guess. Do you need tickets for the weekend? <laughs> just keep changing the subject. <laughs> uh, the other thing you were talking about was uh, training gear. What would you have done with all your training gear? Now that you're retired, did you hoard much of it? So I was doing that Marie Kondo thing uh-huh. again at the weekend. Oh right, yeah. yeah hugging the, it and then hugging and letting go of my clothes. And yeah. I found some gear. Oh like, really? Yeah. What would you have done with um, all your gear? Uh, I, I give loads of it to a mate of mine, one mate, and then he distributed it to everybody. So I would see, like, occasionally, I would see strangers with um, AT on their sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> They've given it away to them. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah thanks, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> I remember giving, yeah, I give my, I give my two brother-in-laws, like, <clears throat> a couple of, like, tracks with tops and stuff. And they were like, oh, thanks, you know, and then I'd like, I'd just go in their wardrobe. You know, they had no interest in wearing, you know, because you got to that stage where your your mates are like, I don't want to be don't wearing want rugby gear. Hand-me-down clothes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have so much of it at home that, like, I gave, I used to bring my gear bag down to <clears throat> UL Bohemians and I'd just give it, put it into the dressing room and let the players take whatever they wanted. But I'd hold on to any jerseys that were special or anything like that. I'd love to be able to wear them at some point. Do you remember yeah. when it was okay to wear rugby jerseys? Yeah, I know. In like 90s and early 2000s. Yeah. And now it's... In but is that not just because we were youngsters though? I don't think it was okay for people our age now that were living back then to wear... Is it not? I, it not? I don't think so. Okay. I think it's just because we were young. I remember wearing my my, my Korean instant medallion, like medallion, Junior Cup um, jersey and... Oh, they meant the actual medal, sorry. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what they call it, like, before, like under 15, like the medallion shield. Okay. Uh, and then the whole thing was you get uh, in assembly before the junior cup or the medallion shield starts, then you get presented with uh, a Korean Inst badge, and then you sew it on your jersey the night before the game, and you sew on your number at the back. Really? Do it yourself? Yeah, so then it, seemed, cool. it became like, pretty cool. Yeah. Like, the jersey all, all of a sudden was kind of accessorised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I wore that all the time, flat out. Okay. Do you still have that? I don't think so. I have a couple from it. school. Mum and dad maybe still have a have, have, like, 
We oh, have. we should do that for a school's jersey. Yeah, I'd buy now. I'm not a good Yeah, convinced. I have a Munchens jersey. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So, if that's the case, then we don't need these anymore. Let's give these away for the O'Connor. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Never going to get a pineapple shirt again. <laughs> I've loads of lemon fruit ones. This is like nine ninety nine on Amazon. <laughs> we should, we should um, provide some sort of a prize for um, the Rugby Roundup Player of the Week. <laughs> okay, I have as a prize. So, I've, I went looking through some gear and I realised that I hoarded some gear just for the fact that it was so shit <laughs> yeah, that I was yeah. like I need to keep this so I found a pair of Timberland boots like the Caterpillar boots yeah. that Timberland embroidered our initials into the back of them and I have them here I want to show you these fucking things <clears throat> Timberland always reminds me of O'Connell look at these shoes oh man. yes <laughs> <laughs> in red BM obviously I've never worn them there <coughs> They're 12 years old. <coughs> they sit out in my back garden now. <coughs> um, but they gave us them with a pair of three quarter length beige uh, cargo pants that used to come to like just below the knee. <laughs> yeah. And you were supposed to wear them with those and like a white shirt. Sorry, who gave you this? Timberland. They sponsored us. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that insane? I, I had Mick O'Driscoll used to wear them with <laughs> three quarter lengths. Yeah. <laughs> They're appalling. Um, so yeah, we can give them away to whoever wins something. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, I, if, if it's those we're giving away, then this will kind of manipulate our decision on who's going to win the prize. <laughs> right. Because someone not very fashionable might look okay in those. That's, I was, that was, that's probably why I was holding them for so long, that they yeah. might come, come back around and be <laughs> yeah. fashionable. Yeah, yeah. Or... Someone not fashionable. Because what I was going to say, well, if we were giving away the shirts as the prize, mm -hmm. I want to see O'Mahony in this. Okay. So no matter how he plays, even if he's injured, even if he doesn't play at the weekend, <laughs> no, just give it to he's him. winning. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt he will. Well, you can give that to Bestie. I'll give that to this to Paul O'Connor. <clears throat> okay, yeah. Just present it to them. Give us the balls to do it. Rory, we were in, um, when we were in Chicago, at the time we beat them, beat the All Blacks. Mm. I've mm. told you about this before. Mm. Rory is an absolute golden balls. Um, I was out, it was me, Craig Gilroy, and Rory were just dandering around, go for coffee, look around the shops or something. I think we were in H and M, and we were playing this game. The other two had to decide what this one person, what the other, what the, the other one had to wear. So we were going right, um, get them in something stupid, get them in something like this, <laughs> effectively, right? And uh, me and Gilly went. There is a great turtleneck. I'd love to see Rory in a turtleneck. <laughs> so we stuck him in a turtleneck. He looked class. class. I was so gutted. He One of the golden balls. He looked great in it. <laughs> he looked like a bit of a Bond villain or something like that. Yeah. I've got a picture of it. I'll, I'll put it up on Twitter. Put it up on Twitter, yeah. yeah. He genuinely looked really... I think he had like a velvet um, jacket over the top of it. Oh, as well. of course. <laughs> yeah, he nailed it. Like he nailed the look. A million dollars. Well, Pat, we must listen to this because I really enjoyed this, this interview that Pat did with him last week and he gives us a lovely little mention as well. So... Here you go, Rory Best. It's great to get these lads in, their test quality as well, but um, good for someone like Eric O'Sullivan that like, you have someone like Jack McGrath coming up and these guys are going to be fighting with each other every week for position. Yeah, look, it's massive. You know, Eric's sort of guy, he's, he's a sponge for information. You know, no matter what you tell him, he just wants to get better, he wants to learn. And I think to have a British lion in his position up there for him to learn off, for them to share the game time. And look, ultimately, 
it's great that you're going to have that competition for places and you know with Dan McFarland, like whoever's playing the best will start for Ulster and whoever isn't will be on the bench and will be asked to make a big impact when they come on. So, look, I think it's really exciting from an Ulster point of view to bring up a British Lion, you know, to be signing an Irish qualified British Lion of the, the quality that Jack brings, just even more than that, the fact that he's just such a really good guy. You know, I think you've got to build your squad, the foundation have got to be your playing ability. But I think what adds to that is just how you interact with the squad, how collective, how tight you can be mm. amongst that. And, and Jack is just a really good guy around the place. And um, a good few kind of Dublin accents around the Ulster training session as well. Are these boys good for getting involved in the, the Belfast lifestyle as well? Or do some of them just hit the road back down to Dublin the minute training is over? Uh, no, every one of them now live up in Belfast. And, you know, I think that was probably part of the, the thing with Jack is that I'm sure he spoke to Geordie and Marty and sort of, you know, said, what's it like? And look, I hope that they've enjoyed their time. Um, and I hope that Jack does as well when he comes up. But look, they, those guys have all bought into everything we're trying to achieve and look ultimately the goal for us is to get to get more Ulster born players into that team but at the same time I think it's really important when you're bringing in guys that aren't born in Ulster that they are top class you know I don't think you want to bring in second rate players and mm. and over the last 18 months with the signings with the three that I've mentioned with Jordy, Marty and Jack McGrath, you know, they are they're international class players. These are top drawer players that are that are coming up just now. So, you know, it's very much they're the calibre of player you want to sign. And um, I was chatting to Barry and Andrew before we knew the interview was coming up, and I had asked if they had any questions. And Trimby's big question that he seems to ask everybody is, "Are you a fan of the show?" <laughs> That's all he cares about. I'm a big fan of Barry now, so um, <laughs> Andrew could take or leave. So I could. No, I think it's it all seriousness I think you know it's a, it's obviously it's been a few years for Barry and he's done a lot between but just it's really interesting to see the transition from professional sport into into what your new career is going to be and, and I think Andrew you know doing that and I think he, they're very good at it and Barry like obviously the success he had with, mm. with Hermitage Green and now into this you know I think it's great to see and, and two guys that that I played a lot of rugby with it's just great to see them succeeding and, and getting on with life and, and they seem to be really enjoying it. And for yourself as well, like I know it's um, the focus is all the World Cup now and hopefully you can get back and, and play again for Ulster as well, but the focus is all on that World Cup. But again, like now the retirement is kind of being mooted up the line. Are you thinking of ways? Like Is your head already drifting towards that next level or what are you going to do uh, after rugby? I think probably the, the big thing is that... Like, obviously I have the farming to fall back on mm. it's something that oh, since I was a, a wee boy I've loved farming I've loved always being out in the farm with my dad when I was younger and then whenever I got a bit older you know just well doing what I was told by my dad and my brother but it's something that that's in me it's something that I really enjoy doing but I think rugby also has it's afforded me a lot of experiences in terms of travel but also in terms of the people you meet the companies that you work with and the people you get involved with and look I hope that there's maybe some opportunities around that with people that I've met who who like what what I do or what I stand for and maybe want to do some work with me in the future and, and they're the sort of opportunities that I hope will, will maybe come my way and, and maybe something will, will get me really excited and I don't think you'll ever replace the, the buzz of say the Aviva Stadium on, on Saturday mm. in that quarter final but it might be something very different that you can get your teeth into and get excited about it in a 
in a very different way from a, a rugby match. I was looking back and um, just the first time you captain Ireland, I think it was on that 2009 tour. Uh, it was over to North America, wasn't it as well? But before that, had you ever, like, what captaincy experience with Ulster? Was it a couple of years before that or a couple uh, of experiences? Yeah, I took over Ulster captain in 2007 um, yeah. from Simon. Simon sort of, he retired after that World Cup in 07 and, and in with Ulster. And, and that was a, it was a fairly tough start. It was very much a baptism of fire because Mark McCall, shortly after that, um, left. Mm. Um, so I was there as a very young captain and um, kind of trying to balance between, you know, staying together as a squad, making sure we made the right decisions. And I was there, I didn't really know what to do. And I lent up Simon quite a bit during that period just to kind of go, he wasn't in the squad at that stage, but I was kind of there going like, what, you know, what am I meant to do here? You know, there's, there's this happening, this happening, you know, the results weren't going on, there was pressure coming on. And, and look, ultimately he probably gave me a few words then that I've tried to, to capitalize by before. He said, like, ultimately control what you can in terms of your own performance and people will follow that. And, and if they don't, then there's, at least you can hold your head up and say, well, look, I did everything I could. And there's a thing, I remember in the past, there was a, you, you spoke about how when the anthems come on now, I was even just thinking back to that the Wales game there in the Six Nations where Alan Wynne-Jones, you could just see the veins bulging on his neck, but you were saying you don't really sing for anthems anymore because you don't want to get too pumped up. But was there a time where you actually did get too emotional? Maybe yeah, well, it was an Ireland schools game. I remember it and, and belted out um, Ireland's call. And I think we kicked off, they caught the ball, kicked it out, line out, and I'd, I'd say if someone was standing on the guy's shoulders, he still wouldn't have caught it. And look, I don't know whether it's down to that or whether then I just didn't practice as much as I should do. But it was very much, I sort of went, well, look, whenever it comes to the cold-hearted line-out, you've got to take a little bit of emotion out of it and it's just got to be deadly accuracy. And look, whether it, it happened or not, or whether it helped or not, it certainly probably has done me no harm since the, the Ireland schools days way yeah. back in... 2000 <laughs> and there's um, I suppose in terms of like if do you have like an ideal day like you know even something that you might some of the tough days when you're kind of training because I know everybody always says when they retire it's the training that they, they won't miss at all like but are there days that you kind of look ahead to and go like if you had an ideal day what would it be it's something completely non-rugby related right, rugby oh it would probably be it'd be get up in the morning and, and just have time to have, have breakfast with the kids you know because that's the sort of time when they can come out with anything in the morning, so yeah. they can. Um, and then it would be probably go and maybe play a bit of golf in the morning, meet my wife for lunch. And honestly, I would spend the afternoon on the lawnmower cutting the grass. I absolutely love cutting the grass. <laughs> I heard, is, is Peter O'Mahony the same as the Well, I'm not, big... no, I'm not to that extent. Like, I, I, sorry, I enjoy cutting the grass. I'm not obsessed with it. <laughs> now, he's obsessed with his lawn. I see he's scarified it three times over the last couple of days to get it ready for a bit of growth in the in springtime. Now, he's, he's mad about his lawn and stripes. And I think when you go to the house, he barely lets you walk on it. So <laughs> it's, um, no, I do enjoy cutting the grass, but not to that extent. I've heard some of the Munster lads have got, gone and just thrown big stones on the lawn just so we could mess up his, his lawnmower or something. Yeah, like oh, yeah. there's all sorts. I think Jared Payne, when he played, kept threatening to go down with a weed killer and write his name <laughs> on the lawn and stuff like that. And, you know, Pete, Pete being Pete with the way he is, basically threatened him back, with, <laughs> probably with violence. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just kind of thinking about, you're, you're here chatting to us today in, with the kind of protective casing around your, your ankle there as well. And thinking back to the World Cup when... 
you know, before that Wales game where you kind of had the neck issues and you, there was worries whether, whether you're going to play or not. And that game against the All Blacks where you broke your arm and kept playing on for 60 seconds, 90 seconds. Is it going to, I remember asking Sean O'Brien this, like, what's your body going to be like when you finally retire? Like, um, it's kind of one of those that you sort of, you'll worry about that when it comes. Um, like, ultimately, very privileged to play rugby for this length of time. I didn't think I'd ever, I thought at one stage I wouldn't get into my 30s, never mind to 36, um, hopefully be 37, going to a World Cup. So, look, the one thing I do know is sort of talking to a few people, like even somebody like Lawrence Delalio was saying like he had a lot of injury problems over his career. And I said, you know, like, how are you coping now? And he said, it's funny, whenever you wake up on a Monday morning and you haven't played a game, but your body still thinks it's going to play the next week, so it's still trying to recover mm. at a rate of knots. And he said it's the best he's ever felt was shortly after retirement. So, look, I'll cling to that rather than some of the other horror stories about people having to get out of bed sideways and... Um, Tommy Bow with his knees swelling up after playing a bit of indoor football and stuff like that. So, look, I think it'll be across that bridge when it comes to it, and you know, do whatever I need to. But if I have to lay off the gym for a bit when I retire, you know, it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Yeah. <laughs> and and you're talking about the whole thing about like spending time with the kids as well, and um, you, we've seen it in the photos in the last few years as well of like maybe Ben or something like that being out on the pitch here in, in the dressing room as well. Is that one of the great things now? Like in the last few years, you look back on and have have your kids out there for so many big moments. Yeah, it's something that I think when we decided to to have a family, uh, reasonably shortly after getting married, and we were reasonably young, um, like part of the the thought process was that it'd be nice for them to share in some of the moments. Now, I think at that point, we probably thought that Ben would be at the most two or three by the time that I retired. Now. Ben's now eight, he'll be nine in, in June, so he now will, will definitely remember. You know, I think the thought process was, well, at least we get some photos of Ben on the pitch that when mm. he's older we can show him, but he's very aware, he's a massive rugby fan, and you know, Jodie's great because she brings them to everything, and it is something that, it was Clinton Shikovsky that used to play with Ulster, it was his wife said to Jodie when, when, we were, when we were engaged, saying about how they felt it was really important that the kids went to the games to see that, that Dad does just doesn't play rugby for a bit of fun and get paid for it that it's actually you know it's, it's a tough mm. way you know it's a tough existence a tough way to earn your money um at times and, and that they appreciated everything that that clinton went through and, and jody kind of that meant a lot to her and she took that on board and, and that's part of the reason um the other part is that ben wouldn't Jody wouldn't be allowed to go to a game now without Ben. He goes to Ulster games that I'm not playing in that Jody won't go to. The, he's a proper rugby fan. Mm. But certainly the other two, Richie especially being the youngest, he'll get his little more be memories that he can see in the photographs. And we can say, oh, do you remember that game? Oh, Richie, you were on the pitch. And, mm. and that sort of thing. And, and it's really, family's important to me. And it's really important that they share in that with me. And, and is Jody someone who, because I know Trimby would say that... Um, that uh, with Anna, that she doesn't like movies and she doesn't like rugby. So he's, you know, yeah. he's, he's in a he's in a corner a lot of the time. Is Jody someone who will she listen to you? Will she hear you? Is she someone like a good sounding board, or does she want to even know about rugby? Oh, no, she, well, she she listens. You know, she knows that, especially being captain. You know, you need to be able to get things off your head, off your chest. You need to be able to to speak to get. And she's very good, and that she listens. And you know, most of the time. Like she's known me for so long, she knows that whenever I'm telling her something, that I'm telling her 
to also give my opinion mm. and then like most of the time she just lets me talk and sometimes she'll go listen I, I don't think that's the right thing to do and, and then I'll go away and think about it and come back and go yeah you know I agree with you but look look she's been great she's obviously we've gone out for a, a very very long time so she's seen me come right up through um school system right up into um into obviously national captain and, and lions tour so she's seen a lot of the the heartbreak as well as the, the ecstasy mm. so like she knows what what i've went through and, and she knows what i require to make sure that i can perform at the top level and, and she's very very supportive of that and you were talking there about maybe the whole thing about ben might only just be younger when you retired like so is that you know maybe when you were hitting your 30s did you think you might be retiring like was there ever a serious conversation where you thought you know, uh, last World Cup even, or I think the, the probably the, the big one was the neck injury in two thousand and nine. Mm. I sort of thought that that's whenever it dawned on me that you won't play rugby forever, and that's when I started to buy the cattle and, and looked a bit for a plan B. But I think what happens when you turn thirty is everyone around you tells you that oh right, well you know this is it, this is your last contract. You know, who you're thirty, mm. and as kind of I suppose. In that regard, and like I say, Jodie is really good as well. She goes, well, like, why? You know, like, well, like just because you're 30, do you think you're playing any worse? And I suppose given my nature is very much, if you tell me I can't do something, I go, well, I'm going to show you I can. So whenever people start to say you're 30, you're done. And that's probably part of the reason I feel that I've probably played my best rugby since I turned 30. Um, so, like... Uh, it's not something that I've talked about. It's something that I've probably been aware about mm. getting into your 30s because you you're never 100% sure. You hope that you'll play well enough to get that next contract, but mm. until it's in front of you, you don't have that same security. Um, so, look, I've been aware of it, but I've been really trying not to get distracted by it, you know, that the rugby ultimately is the most important thing and, and opportunities that I talked about earlier come around because of your rugby. They mm. don't come around because of because of the nice person you are. And that's the thing that I've always said is important is that never sacrifice your rugby for something else, for a PR event or for for going to get something free or doing you know, rugby comes first and if you can fit the rest in around it then that is that's brilliant. And, and what is it there's a famous story that um Stephen Ferris told me before about this uh tour to Australia and New Zealand in 2008 and a bleep test and yourself and Jerry Flannery battling it out. Is, is, this, is, is this true that you were so determined to kind of yeah, put it, one over and fly? It was, a, it was a bit of a fitness session. I obviously read it in Stevie's book and you know Jerry's a very, very determined guy as well. So I'm not 100% sure that I necessarily, but I do remember doing a fitness mm. session out there and it was, we were definitely going uh, hammer and nail at each other now and I'm, I'm not I wouldn't be so bold as to say that I I definitely won out but I think the thing with with my rivalry with Fla was that he probably showed me what to get to the next level where your fitness and conditioning needed to be because he in fairness to him he was a machine at that and I came in and I was a wee bit more I wasn't in the shape that I wanted to be in or that it, uh, not that it wasn't, it was more, I wasn't in the shape that I needed to be in. I thought I was in okay shape until I saw him and that kind of, I looked at that and went, right, well, you know, he's starting now. Well, if I want to get past him, I've got to be as fit as him. And, and that made me knuckle down and work really, really hard. So like, that's where people talk about competition for places. That's where it is invaluable, especially when you have a player of his ability. Mm. Um, and it definitely, it, I don't know what, his rivalry with me did for him, but certainly from my point of view, it drove me on to try to be better. 
And, and the, the last thing I was going to ask you there was, um, there was a recent episode on, on the UK's house rugby with Haskell, James Haskell and, and Joe Marler, and they were both talking about the Lions tour as well. And both of them were massive fans of yours as well. And we were kind of wondering why. What's the kind of secret <laughs> ingredient that you have? I don't know. Maybe I'm just likeable. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think with that, that Lions tour, like, having been on the previous one and seen the way... And look, it has to happen in Lions tours because ultimately it's about the test series. No one gives a, No one cares. If we had lost 3-0 to the All Blacks but won all our midweek games... Mm. It wouldn't. It would have been an unsuccessful tour. So it's ultimately all about the test series. So to prepare for that, you got to get your test team reasonably well sorted. There'll always be one or two people coming in and out of that, but reasonably well sorted. So what that does, it means the midweek team. And I remember in thirteen, the base of the midweek team, nobody cared about them. I was inexperienced. I didn't really know what was going on. And this time round, I sort of made a, a pact to myself that if I'm not, I want to be a test lion, but if I'm not, I'm going to make sure that we don't go out with a whimper the way we did in, in 13 in midweek, that we are going to enjoy that midweek games. We're going to play the best we could, but ultimately we're going to have a bit of crack, prepare the test team and be good in that. And like, I'll, like, I suppose from my point of view, the, the best way to have crack is to go out dinner, a few drinks and... You know, I think maybe they, they all love to blame me for that. Nobody, nobody held a gun to their head. Like, you know, Joe Marler and James Haskell are, are big boys. They're more than capable of looking after themselves. But I think that that's a great thing. Is that we had some, some great memories of that tour from some of those midweek games. And ultimately, I remember the performances we had as a team, but also the, the nights out we had afterwards. And, and I think that that, because the test team don't need us moping around the place. So, like, we were in reasonably good form. We trained well against them, we prepared well, and, and ultimately the, the reflection is the way they performed, but also I'd like to think a little bit about the way they were prepared. And, and that's it, and then I was just going to um, end it by just saying you're here for Specsavers then today, and you're, it's encouraging people to go and get uh, hearing tests, isn't it? And just kind of and make sure that if you're not feeling right about something, go and get it checked. Yeah, ultimately it's, it's about being an ambassador for the Don't Suffer in Silence campaign, and Look, the hearing obviously in my job is very, very important and, and I get that checked out just to make sure. And It came about a little bit because I was a little bit paranoid about whenever you get into a room with a lot of noise going on in the background that I felt that maybe I was struggling to hear conversations. Like it never affected me playing rugby with mm. sort of 50, 60, 70, 80,000. But for some reason, sometimes in a small room. So I sort of thought, I, I want to get this checked out. And I think it's something that I would encourage anyone to do. Because some of the, the statistics around it, you know, that, that there's 50% or almost 50% of people are worried about losing their hearing. But actually only 25%, if they, if they feel something goes wrong that they that they do anything about it so like that is that that's a really worrying statistic and i think from my point of view if i can use the fact that that i'm here today to say listen i know what 55 and above they they recommend every two years to get your hearing checked well i'm 36 and i'm mm. playing professional sport and i still think that it's really important for me to get this done reasonably regularly now to make sure that that not just for playing rugby but for an everyday life to make sure that I'm, I'm not missing something that's, that's going on because it is a really, really important part of, of everyday life is to be able to hear. You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Okay, that was Rory Best talking about his grass. He loves that grass, doesn't you he? You really got an inside scoop there, Pat. You, Pat? <laughs> he loves that lawnmower, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, bad oh. into it. I, uh... 
I bought a lawnmower yesterday. Uh-huh. A mad turn of events. Um, a minefield? No, just uh, mm. is that one you get onto. No. no. That's just the one I bought a year ago. Oh, no. Mid-range. I, have, uh, I just have a reg- I bought a regular one. Yeah. So my lawnmower broke last October. Not a bad time to, to break, so because I've only got to use it for the rest of the year. <laughs> Reason it broke, so I moved into my house 11 years ago. Ian Dowling moved in two doors down. Uh-huh. Asked me after a couple of weeks, could he borrow my lawnmower? And I was like, yeah, go on, borrow my lawnmower. And then about a month later, he said, could he borrow it again? And I said, I'm not at home. Just climb the wall and borrow it. So he did. And then that was the end of it. Then about seven years later, <clears throat> we were out his garden. I was like, your grass is looking great, man. What lawnmower do you have? And he looked at me with a face that clearly said that he was still using my lawnmower. <laughs> but he, hadn't, he had been doing it secretly. So he waited for me to leave. And he climbed the fucking wall and steal my lawnmower. So my lawnmower had been doing double the job for the last few years. And it eventually croaked and broke. So I had to get a new one yesterday. Yeah. And Michael he, Hoffers. No, he moved out last, <laughs> last week. <laughs> because of this. He moved out last week. Yeah. Yeah. So just here. before he left. He just stuck a spanner in there, like, <laughs> like, like Mrs. Doyle, like on the, the tea machine. <laughs> just wrecked it and moved out. Yeah. So you said he, he jumped. He had to jump over the wall and open the side gate. All ah, right. So My shed was. He always... didn't have to. Yeah, <laughs> he lift it over back over the wall. Because <laughs> no, that's probably what broke it. it. And I should have known there was always a trail of grass going <laughs> <laughs> my driveway into his. <laughs> but I. Uh, I've started doing this thing now because we're not gigging at the moment. I get up at like, I've, I've started, we've got a proper routine that we can live in now because we're not away at weekends or anything like that. So I said I'd do something drastic in my life. So I started getting up at half four in the morning, trying to get as much of my productive day done between half four and nine o'clock in the morning. And, uh, and then go for a nap, I, surely. I don't go to bed till like, I go to bed at nine o'clock, so I still get a proper amount of sleep. Yeah. But uh, I just said I'd try and do something different to see if I could... Uh, get more stuff done but there's very little you can do between five o'clock in the morning <laughs> just get up and sit there. I had a good sit this morning <laughs> for about 40 minutes just like oh yeah it's still dark that's weird you know I went for a run at five and then I did add a sit and then I really wanted to cut the grass uh-huh. but I couldn't be that guy that cuts his grass in the dark at seven o'clock <laughs> on a <Yeah>. Sunday morning <laughs> So I had to wait, but I got it in at around nine. Went for a run at five. That's that's a wee bit depressing. It, it was. Yeah, I only did about 20, 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it's not, it won't last. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Might do it for another few days, but. Uh, nah. what, what did what did Orla say? <clears throat> She's she encouraging this behaviour. She doesn't care. She's like, yeah, whatever, <laughs> do you, do you whatever want makes you <laughs> See you at tea time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she crawls out of bed at 10. I found like, I found Subutio this morning. I was doing that hoarding thing and I found like Subutio. Yeah. Do you remember that game? Yeah. What a shit game. Yes, terrible <laughs> game. Worst game. I never knew. I th- always thought I was missing something or just, yeah. I don't know. But I have loads of it. And not only that, but <clears throat> I bought this when I was a kid. So I've lived in many different houses since I lived in my parents' house. Mm. And the Sibutio has come with me everywhere. <laughs> so I pulled that out this morning and I was like, well, I set it up and just play play a game with, with the cat or something. <laughs> with Scotty. Throw the cat in there. Throw Scotty in there. So that's the only way Sibutio would end up being good. Because like, the only good part is when you set it up and you have your little formation and stuff, isn't it? 
The only the only chance you're ever going to do, get to do anything fun is if the ball's right at your feet. And how, what was your tackers? Do you put your finger on the player's head and then flick him? Or you just, just I used to just set it up and then just go, ah, fuck this. <laughs> put it away again. We, so. um, we are getting work done on our house, actually, so we're living with the in-laws at the minute. And we just had to clear out all downstairs. So I just spent a few days packing up all the kids' um, stuff. So we're getting, like, three rooms all knocked into one, open plan, be nice and all. Um, and we went to look at the house there, and it's a wreck. You know, they've knocked down two walls, but the place is wrecked. And um, we took me, we fell in, and he started crying. It's <laughs> a wreck in the house. Yeah, he goes, where's all my toys? <laughs> and then uh, we got him cheered up after that. And then, and then he turned around and looked at the kitchen, and he goes, where's all our food? <laughs> Do you not explain to him, or did you start laughing at him? <laughs> just, just took a piss out of him more. <laughs> Made a five-minute-long video winding him up. Wind him up. <laughs> Sound it. But no, um, when I was packing up all the stuff, it's all upstairs. We did reassure him eventually. We brought him upstairs and showed him like boxes of his. Get to grips with it. <laughs> Grow up. He's <laughs> <laughs> two now. Come on. <laughs> so uh, I was packing everything up <clears throat> into into boxes. So we've two. Um, Jack is maybe four in a, or a couple of months time. Molly's two. Mm. Between two of them, we've got, I'd say, fifty teddy bears or like soft toys. So I thought, right, how many do they need? Mm. Like ten, five each is a lot. Mm. So <laughs> I put like a gun to their head and just <laughs> get them to pick one. So no, it's not them you need to worry about. It's it's my wife. Like she's so nostalgic about all the stuff. Oh, right. So I had about three boxes filled, ten teddy bears in each box. And she goes, she just took them all out. No, that's whenever he did his first something. That's oh, when he did this year. Man. So I was trying to be like that. What do like you call Marie Kondo? Marie Kondo. I was hugging them, <laughs> chucking them in the box, <laughs> and she overruled all my hard work. Really? Yeah. God, oh, yeah. that gives yeah. me anxiety, man. I'm just like, clear it out. Yeah, I tried to do it without her noticing, but she caught me. She caught, she yeah. caught me. 50 teddies. Who needs 50 teddies? I know. Is that from people just keep buying your kids' presents? Um, Imagine the amount of money. <laughs> to be fair, we bought a lot bought of them, them all because you you're in a garage or something, and, and they crack up because I want that exact teddy. <laughs> I'm going. You probably have a match at home. If it'll shut you up, I'll yeah, get you that teddy. Just... But you do that fifty times. Uh, come here. Speaking of children, did you see the ball boy in a, <laughs> at the match last weekend? Yes. I tried to get him on the show today. Uh-huh. He hasn't responded to me. On any, on any social media. So I put this video up of a ball boy at the Ulster, at the Leinster Ulster match who took a video of him dunking the tea, his biscuit in his tea, and then just happened to be the perfect timing of the Stockdale incident. I'm sure everyone's seen it, it's right? Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And then I put it up on Instagram and everyone thought it was me. So I was like, no, 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 this wasn't me. This was a child, yeah. clearly. A ball boy who's 10, surely. And then someone surely. Was, someone responded I mean, who would be saying, a ball boy if you weren't 10? <laughs> someone responded saying, no, that's a 27-year-old man from Dublin. He's a solicitor. <laughs> Which is just, mwah. but that was glorious. Uh, so I wanted to get him on the, the show to talk about. Yeah. He was criticised heavily for his ability to make tea. His tea was too, too milky. Yeah, fair enough. Wasn't it? It was quite milky, yeah. Maybe he didn't make the tea, so I wanted him to come on and defend himself on that account. Yeah, yeah. first and foremost. <clears throat> yeah, then what kind of bar he had. His bar looked a little bit lightly. It, it was, it was, it, was uh, it was a breakaway. Was it? I thought it was a breakaway. Looks a bit cheap. 
Yeah, great, a great cheap, yeah. 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 But his for a solicitor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his dippage though was so graceful. I thought the dippage. I thought I didn't. He didn't dunk like far enough. I thought he merely. He, Merely tipped the end of the okay. break, the breakaway. Cautious in the, in the hot milk. I'm quite aggressive. <laughs> yeah. Violent, if you will. My <laughs> a violent dipper. Yeah. So I was kind I've of. Always heard that about you. <laughs> <laughs> so I was appreciating his little kind of slow, soft dip. Yeah. And the timing of it. Yeah. Perfect. The, oh, amazing. So would it if you're better, would it have been a better um, video had the try been scored. No. Or is it more infamous now? Is it oh, more, more yeah. well known? Is that incident kind of... Way better. But if that was a winning try? I think because it, it, it makes the whole thing a little bit more funny, I think. That's what I yeah. liked about it. Because everyone was getting so serious about what happened yeah. to Stockdale. And it was like, yeah, relax. And this yeah. made it all a little yeah. bit more yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for that reason, when we look back at it, I would always think of that fella yeah. as opposed to thinking that it was the reason they lost the game. Did you see... Um, uh, Jacob made a little bit of a bust in Glasgow's 22, offloaded to Luke Marshall, mm. and Luke was just about to put the ball down. Tommy Seymour just knocked it out, like just poked yeah. through his, like, underneath his elbow and popped the oh, ball out. What timing Jacob, from our show. And Jacob was the first man over to <laughs> Was he? And he said, at least it wasn't a quarterfinal, mate. <laughs> Did he say that? Yeah. <laughs> Luke didn't find it funny. Oh, yeah. It was that, he's kind of slid on his ass, yeah. slid in on his ass. Yeah. Um, like, I don't think he wasn't doing anything wrong. No, he just the angle was perfect for Tommy Seymour yeah, just to pop it out. But I think everyone's just got to start diving on the ball. But he was die. He did. He was gonna but, like, die on your chest. Just hold it <laughs> yeah. tight. Jesus. So, Driscoll used to always do that, didn't he? Yeah. To like tuck the ball. Earlsy always does it. Just, yeah. yeah. Page one: How to t- score a try. Yeah. Um, Stuart Hogg. Isn't he the ball buff? Your man from train spotting. Oh, uh, Spud? No. No. Uh, um, Renton. Sick boy. Sick boy, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Isn't he? Yeah. And he's from, is it Glasgow they lived in as well? They were, that was Edinburgh, Edinburgh, I think. Edinburgh, Scotland. Yeah. 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 Sorry to like... Ball Bob. Too many up the road. Is it? <laughs> he's the head off him. That was the best part of that game for me. Yeah. <clears throat> and there's an argument between um, uh, Stuart Hogg and John Andrew, the, the hooker that came off <laughs> the bench for Ulster. He could, oh, yeah. He could and the him. argument went along the lines of, John called him uh, bald, which I don't think he's that bald, like a little bit bald. Huh? Called him hog. bald, and then a hog replied, um, you're fat. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I know, it's your classic argument, yeah. baldness and fatness. <laughs> and uh, then the camera went to hog, and hog went like that, like to like symbolise, just yeah. make sure everybody in the stadium really... knows, I'm calling this guy fat. Oh, what an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, he rubs people up the wrong way. Hog does. Yeah. yeah you can see he was fired up. Yeah. He's, he did, was class, though, I thought. But his spiral kicking, I think you mentioned oh, yeah, the commentating. Yeah. yeah. Why don't people spiral the ball anymore? But not everybody can do it. Like, it's, a risk, it's risky to spiral the ball. It's not if you just practice it. Like, it is. It's still riskier used, than end over end. When I was first out of professional rugby, I didn't know how to kick the ball end over end. You've been out of the game too long, Baz. But you were the same. <laughs> <laughs> But it wasn't a thing back then. You wouldn't do an end over end kick in the nineties and early two thousands. No, any kicking I did in my in my mate's garden, back garden, like when we were youngsters learning how to kick, was spiral. Spiral, hundred percent spiral. Because it goes twice as far, and the but roll on it. Where did it get me? 
yeah, yeah. Probably kicked the ball once in a 14-year <laughs> career. Yeah, I didn't either, actually, to be honest. But, yeah, Stuart Hogg's probably the only one that's still doing it. Yeah. Kicked two or three of them in the game. The ball went to length. Now, they had a big win behind the backs. Yeah. And probably why Glasgow won the game is that win, that's it. Yeah, it? although I've been in the backfield when Hogg has misstruck a spiral. Okay. And it's more difficult to catch. Yeah. So, they go, yeah. Start whipping. I dropped one of them, actually. dropped it backwards. But still. Yeah. No, huge fan of them. Yeah, he's flying um, the flag. I think that, yeah, they were unlucky. Ulster, we won't, we won't dwell on it too long now. <clears> we'll get quickly to the other games. Um, thought they could have taken the points at the end of the first half and conceded yeah. a try uh, off the back of that to leave them 22-7 down at half time. Rob Little's try, I would have just given it to him. Yeah. He was like a millimetre off from getting it properly <laughs> on the line. I was like, ah, just give it to him, go on. Oh, no. Such a brilliant, he's class. He is Great class. Player. He was quiet enough up <clears throat> until that, and yeah. then he just came to life. Lovely mm. wee fan than someone. Yeah, it was. strong boy for, yeah. he looks quite light, but yeah. strong. Yeah. Um, but look, they've still, obviously, um, good chance of qualifying if they can beat Edinburgh. or I think they just have to win one of their last two, don't they? I think um, they, to qualify. To qualify, yeah, yeah, but to get a home yeah. qualifier, they definitely need to win both of them. They'd be happy with, with either. Um, Monster match, <clears throat> Monster proving that they bring the joy back into their lives yeah. and they just start playing class. They were unreal the other night against uh, Cardiff. Yeah. Ripped them asunder. Murray was brilliant. Great to see him back to his best. Really? Yeah. I think created three tries, scored one, kicked brilliantly. John Murray's just drilling little yeah. kicks and kicking like the best kicker in the world. He was unreal. Were, were they leaky? Like Cardiff scored, it was, it was cutting back and forth during the Glasgow game. It was cutting yeah. back and forth. They caught they caught them off. Uh, they caught them once on a kind of outside twelve, and then a couple of times out wide. Um, just a little bit naive from Munster, weren't expecting it. I don't think they're getting up so aggressive. <coughs> Cardiff just got around them. Yeah. Um, scored a couple of good tries. You know, Cardiff class team, they can score tries, but um, Munster's defence again was out, outside of those three tries were brilliant and. Just moved the ball. Finally, you know, when they got out of their twenty-two, it was the intent was to go yeah. play some ball. Conway scored. Was this thirty-eighth try? I think mm. for Munster. Yeah. What a fucking record. Um, I don't know if it's a record. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's his it's record. A good number. Yeah. <laughs> what a number. It's a fine number. Uh, Connacht dirty enough game. Uh, what, six Zebra. five. Six five. Yeah. Sounds like a thriller. It was. I was putting the the lawnmower together while watching that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the lawnmower was was winning <laughs> my attention, uh, but uh, good win. There, you know, Carty had a tough enough game, but um, thought uh, you know they they won the battle up front and probably looks like they're they're in good stead for a yeah. semi final as well. So, so they have to they have to beat uh, Cardiff, Pat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> that will get them third place then. Yeah, if they yeah. Beat them at the weekend. That's yeah. in Cardiff, isn't it? No, it's no, at home. Oh, yeah, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Huge game, and they're gonna. They're going to struggle with bodies, like because they that was a battering again on Saturday, and they're going to yeah. pretty much play the same team again. So uh, it'll be tough, but I suppose one more big win they can rest in them for the monster match and for the for the week of the Champions yeah. Cup. Yeah. Um, Leinster still feeling a little, a little bit of a hangover from the Six Nations, I think, even though they rested quite a few of the players from that the week before. They uh, they weren't at you know full full Leinster. Yeah. But Treviso were on fire at the minute, to be fair. Yeah. Now, I know no one really generally goes to the RDS and 
gets an easy ride, but mm. they kind of Treviso were flying. I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I think Munster will have their hands full next weekend. Yeah, they will. I'd say Munster rests a lot of players as well. That's not good for Ulster. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> it really do with yeah, uh, Munster yeah. sending over. Yeah, I'd say they'll, they'll rest a good few. <clears throat> uh, would you don't think there's any chance that Munster would be incentivized if they can can manage to go to Treviso, <clears throat> get a win, and get top, then? Not only do they, they qualify for that semi-final, but it's a week off in between a lot of competitive knockout games. Well, they're already, I think that's it. They're already they're qualified. Out of, they're out of Glasgow, are out of sight now, yeah. yeah. Oh, they're gone? Oh, really? So Munster yeah. are already home for home the final. Then Trevis will beat them. You never know. They've got a good squad. Like There'll be a lot of lads playing for positions there, you know, for, yeah. for spots. So, uh, and, and, you know, they're, they're playing so well that they don't want to rest everyone, you know. I'd say they'll rest the Irish guys. Like, yeah. oh man, he was... Immense the weekend, CJ again, P or Connor. I'd say the rest of the three of them potentially early, but a lot of the yeah. rest of them so could if they play. You know, if, sorry to be very Ulster oriented. <laughs> <laughs> if, they, if they don't get a win this weekend, if Treviso beat them over there, then Treviso have Zebra in the last game, so that all Treviso get nine points from that. Then that means Ulster have to go to Edinburgh, beat Edinburgh, and then beat Leinster at home. I think they only have to win one of them. Sorry, only one of them to get in a way, but okay, they have to yeah. stay ahead of them. Okay, right, isn't yeah, that right? Yeah, they have to win yeah. both. Anyway, yeah. <clears throat> anyway, what were you saying about Monster? <laughs> <laughs> well, we asked you to vote on the Guinness Made of More Irish Player of the Weekend. Your nominees were Peter Amandi and CJ Stander of Monster. And this is to win shirt. I, we'll give him the option. A shirt and the shoes. Let's send him, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's send him the option. See, no, those shoes will they'll sit him. so don't give that option (laughs) send him a picture afterwards and he can pick okay the other nominees were Leinster's Max Deegan who had like 29 tackles for Leinster on last night Uh, I think Leinster had 300 and what 306 tackles Yeah. 306 tackles in the game 200 and something against uh, Ulster last week that's 500 tackles in two games that's Treviso though that's what they do Treviso are my second favourite team at the minute behind (laughs) Who? <laughs> Behind the, yeah, the wildlings. <laughs> uh, also, Connacht's captain, Jared Butler, who's unreal. Uh, I'd love if Gary could do a little video of him being Jared Butler in the 300. <laughs> and kicking your man into the hole and just stick his head on there. Yeah. For someone, if they this is go away. if it's worthy, yes, if it's <laughs> yeah. worthy, if they win a semi final or something, yeah, if they beat Cardiff, Gary, could you do that? We're making Gary's life. Cheers, Gary. Life. Yeah. So the winner is of the Guinness Man Award for Irish player. Do you know what? I love the Guinness are our sponsors. I was thinking about this when you were talking about how uh, Shabal did the thingy that he's just selling his soul. Yeah. Whereas, like, I love Guinness. I love drinking pints of Guinness. Yeah. I'd hate if we were sponsored by um, Smithix. Yeah. <laughs> Setsumbra or something like that. <laughs> yes. Erdinger. <laughs> no way did Erdinger. Together and Joe with Erdinger. <laughs> Guinness, I love a creamy meniscus on a point of Guinness. I think I might go for one after this. Uh, Just the meniscus? Right, yeah, that little cream. Because we only do this on Monday mornings at 8 o'clock and I can't really go for a point of Guinness <laughs> afterwards. Well, if you've been up since half four, <laughs> it's time for a Guinness. <laughs> But this is like, what a time we now, six o'clock on a Sunday? Definitely deserve a point. But anyway, the made of more, Guinness made of more player of the weekend is, who is it, Peter O'Manny? Peter O'Manny. <laughs> 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 we cock up the delivery. Yeah. 
So he's going to get, I think, that shirt, 100%. Yeah. Okay. He's not getting my pineapples. I want, I want, this, I want this shirt. <laughs> Just get him another one. It costs okay. you five. <laughs> yeah, another one. Okay. Pat, have we enough budget to start sending out shirts? Oh, yeah, yeah. The <laughs> bottomless, endless budget <clears throat> we have here, yeah. The For background, shirts. actually, the whole, but we explained no. the reason why we're wearing these shirts. No. First of all, to celebrate a million uh, listeners and viewers, but Correct. also the live show on, in Belfast. Uh, we were sitting have a drink, having a drink after the show, and uh, we both turned around at the exact same time and saw this couple, and she was wearing leopard print, and he was wearing, I don't know if it was pineapple, Something but it was similar. Hawaiian anyway. Yeah. And we, straight, we were like, <laughs> caught eyes, we were like, that is a look. <laughs> we need we to be need nailing. To. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought we were both getting leopard print, but obviously... <laughs> but you just took your phone out right there and then at like yeah. one o'clock in the morning and ordered them on Amazon. Yeah. Which was brilliant. I've never seen anyone do that. <laughs> yeah, so that you've got the bug now. Yeah. Did you order your, um, your lawnmower on Amazon? No. <laughs> I've been buying loads I of did. shit that I, I don't my, need. I lawnmower on Amazon. <laughs> I'll send you one. Uh, so congratulations, Peter O'Malley. Okay, we'll wrap up here. We uh, put out a shout for your Twitter questions using the hashtag Ask HOR and see, here are some of your finest. Uh, question one, Simon Kelly. It was fabulous to see Ireland's sevens make the World Series. How hard would it be for Jordan Conroy, Roy, <laughs> Jesus, to move to 15s? Question mark. Awfully man, but could do well with Connacht, I think. <laughs> well done, the sevens, by the way. Yeah, I know, brilliant. What a life they're going to have, the fuck. Just next turn year, around, living it up. Turn around, having the crack. Just going. The, people expect them to be on the piss all the time, don't they? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a far cry from growing up in Offaly, <laughs> 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 Dubai, Vegas. <laughs> Where are you from, mate? <laughs> Do you want to heard of it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there. That's probably the biggest. I think that's what everyone thought when they won. It's like it's not like, oh yeah, great for Irish rugby. It's like. Yeah. You're going to have the time of your lives <laughs> scrounged with those selfie sticks all the time. That's all they seem to be doing. Uh, but they were brilliant. Fair play. Uh, Jordan Conroy is going to be a superstar in that field and obviously potentially could be a 15s player as well. Absolutely. But I'd say he'll want to stay in that world for a couple of years. So yeah, I would say, when is the next uh, Olympics? Two years' time? Twenty twenty. So um, they're having <coughs> qualifiers for that there this summer. So That's right. they could qualify for the Olympics then as well. Isn't it? So I'd say that bunch of players will stick at sevens for the next two years at least. Like you don't want to be yeah, going back they, and if forth. They qualify, if they qualify for the Olympics then. Hang around. Yeah. Yeah. Will yeah. we put that in the podcast plan? <coughs> Can we go to the World Cup? Yeah. Go, yeah. go to the Olympics. Yeah. Go to a couple. Of, a couple of live shows. Yeah. Yeah. I love sevens. We should talk more about sevens. <laughs> <laughs> I love Wimbledon. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is proper Wimbledon attire. Right we would get fucked out of Wimbledon <laughs> dressed like this. Uh, Owen's World Cup idea. We got a DM off a guy called Owen who said, Lads, you're like me best mates. <laughs> I've never met... Oh, sorry. <laughs> like my best mates I've never met. And because of that, I'm going to share my terrific idea to make a fortune over in Japan. Maybe Tommy Bow and his 15 Kings clothing brand might want a piece of the action. But before I say any more about this amazing notion, I want you to think back to South African Soccer World Cup and think, Vuvuzuelas, what a phenomenon. I'm sure you would agree. Anyway, back to Japan and here's my notion. What do you think? <clears throat> Rugby sumo nappies. 
Think of it, it's foam with material right up your arse, tied like a belt around your waist and sold in your nation's colours. Clothes worn under the nappy at the discretion of the wearer, but imagine for Ireland a green nappy with a shamrock or a harp or a leprechaun on the crotch, a red one for Wales with a dragon, a prickly rose and an English crotch in white, and the Aussies get a kangaroo in theirs. What do you think? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I think it's quite long-winded. <laughs> Is that a question? <laughs> yeah. Would you repeat the question, please, Matt? <laughs> um, Sign us up. Yeah. I don't, I get, Tommy Bowes had enough going on for himself. I know, leave Tommy out of it. Yeah, yeah, we want. He's already got two successful clothing businesses. Yeah, we've none. We, well, we're going to start with an unsuccessful one, but it sounds like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> see how that goes. So the nappy, the pineapple shirt, and, yeah. and the Timberland shoes. Yeah, I want, I want a leopard print nappy. Oh. <clears throat> and the Timberland shoes. <laughs> the Timberland yes. shoes. Wow. Yeah. He could be onto something. Yeah. It's, you know, people's rugby fans love that kind of crack. Yeah. Oh, he's not even finished. There was more on the other page. I know, I saw that. That's why I was waiting for you to finish reading. You can find a manufacturing firm willing to roll this off. And of course, distribution around Japan is vital. Yeah, Owen, sign us up, man. You just make them and you can stick our names on them. We'll, we, we'll, we want we'll, 90%. We will promote your nappies. I was going to say free of charge, but we really need <laughs> to... It's going to be an expensive trip. Yeah. If he pays for flights, yeah. we'll wear his nappies. Deal? Yeah. To Wimbledon. Wim two trips, Wimbledon and the World Cup. And the World Cup. Okay, perfect. Right, thanks everybody for your comments, questions, for listening on all your favourite apps over a million times and for watching on YouTube. We're absolutely blown away. Big, big thank you to everyone that was involved in making the show this week also, to Paul, Fiona, Anthony and of course Pat. This has been Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe together with lovely pints of Guinness. Thanks for keeping us company. Party on, Baz. Party on, Trimmer. You were listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie for the facts.